The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. If you have a Bible, take your Bibles to 1 John 4, beginning at verse 1. 1 John chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. And when you're there, if you can stand. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth, that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby, hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let us pray. My Father in heaven, what a wonderful privilege it is to, to stand here before you people and deliver your word. Father, pray that you will... Bless you people and bless anyone here that doesn't know you as Savior, that today that might be that day when they begin their new life in Christ. Father, pray for our pastor and Pam. Pray, Lord, that you guide the doctors, and if this is within your will, Lord, that she might be healed. Father, we pray that you will give us a good day today, Lord, and allow us to, to serve and worship and sing praises to your name. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. The theme in these uh, six verses is false teachers and the need for discernment between truth and error. Being able to know the difference between a true preacher or teacher and a false one is a big problem nowadays because they're everywhere. And being able to know the difference between that which is true and that which is false is a gift from God without question. One of the things you run into when, when talking to people who are involved in religious systems is that they all sprinkle just a little bit of truth in whatever it is that they teach. They'll give you just enough to confuse you. And when these people go out knocking on doors, they have a plan that has been designed by Satan. And there's nothing you can do to change their, to change their minds unless God performs a miracle on them. When you explore religion, you're looking into the spirit world. And this is something that we have no idea how to deal with. And millions of unsaved people all over the world are taken in because they don't know. A few years ago, I heard a, a, a preacher described religion like this, and it went like this. He said that shortly after the crucifixion of the Lord, Satan organized a meeting 
with his devils to come up with a plan on how they were going to keep people from worshiping the Lord. And he said that one devil said, we can tell the world that there is no God. And Satan said, that won't work because God has put it in the heart of every person, the idea that there is a God. Everybody knows that. You can look that up in Romans 2, 15 and 16. Then another devil said, we can tell the, tell the world that the crucifixion didn't happen, that it's only a story. And Satan said that that can't work. It will not work. Because the crucifixion of the Lord is a historical, verifiable event, and no one can deny it. But then one smart little devil stepped forward and said, we can tell the world there are many ways to go to heaven. It's okay to worship anything you want. You don't have to get rid of Jesus. Jesus can be included in the things, a number of things that we can worship. And we will call that religion. And then Satan, Satan smiled and said, we're going to use that to blind the whole world and get them to follow me instead of Christ. And so far, it has worked. Salvation is a personal relationship with Christ. Salvation is in the person of Jesus Christ. And it has nothing to do with religion. Millions have died and are still dying because of religion. And simply because a man carries a Bible under his arm doesn't mean that he is a child of God. The problem is that Satan knows the Bible better than any preacher out there. And he knows how to use it. And he also can get false prophets to twist the very word of God to send people to hell. That's a scary thing. The text begins, it says, Beloved, believe not every spirit. So the problem is deception. And being ignorant of the word of God, like I said before, is, is a tragedy. In America, we are blessed to have access to the Bible. Anyone who has a smartphone can access the Bible for free. When in other countries, people are dying, hoping to get a Bible. We have so many of them out here. When Satan dispatches a couple of his devils wearing black and white and a name tag to go and knock on your door, you should know what to do with them. God tells us that we need to try the spirits to see whether or not they are of God. One spirit will lead you into the truth, and the other spirit will lead you into error. If you want the truth, we still have it. It's in the Bible. But if you willingly reject the truth, the very truth that you reject will become lightning. If you reject it, you'll be in trouble. There's a story in the Old Testament that illustrates this point. This is when Ahab, the king of Israel, was talking to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, about going into war. So take your Bibles to Second Chronicles 18. This is a very lengthy story, so I'm going to skip a lot of verses. But when you own, in your own time, read the whole chapter. So I'm going, to read, I'm going to skip a lot of verses just to get to the point. Jehoshaphat here is, he's not a fool. 
he suspected that something wasn't right. And so he goes to Ahab and, and, and asks him, you know, is there a prophet of God here? Is there a real prophet that we can go to? Second Chronicles 18.6 says, But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we might inquire of him? And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we, might, we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. That's typical. For he never prophesied good unto me, but always evil. The same is Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Verse 8. And the king of Israel called for one of his officers and said, Fetch quickly Micaiah, the son of Imlah. If you read this whole verse, you get it. This guy Micaiah, he's very sarcastic and bold, not afraid of anything. So Micaiah is a real prophet, and he was not afraid of the king, and he was not concerned at all about his safety. The guy that went to get him out of the prison was pleading with him to go along with the false prophets of Ahab, but he wasn't going to compromise at all. And he said, whatever the Lord has told me to say, that's what I'm going to say in the story. And this is why kings in Bible times didn't like the prophets of God because a real prophet will deliver the message no matter what the cost. This is one of the reasons why John the Baptist lost his head if you have read the story. Second Chronicles 18.22 Now therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of this thy prophet, and the Lord has spoken evil against thee. 25 then the king of Israel said, Take ye Micaiah and carry him back to Ammon, the, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son. And say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in the prison and feed him with bread of affliction and with water of affliction until I return in peace. By this time, Ahab is fuming because Micaiah had been mocking him for a while, making fun of him. He was sarcastic. And so Micaiah got slapped in the face for being rude to the king. And then he had his last word, and he said in verse 27, And Micaiah said, If thou certainly return in peace, then has not the Lord spoken by me. And he said, Hearken, all ye people. If you know the story, Ahab should have listened to Micaiah, because in the same place where the dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, in the same place, dogs licked up the blood of Ahab. We don't know what happened to Micaiah. The Bible doesn't say. He probably died in, in the prison. But we know one thing, that he spoke the truth. Moving on here, huh? 1 John 4, verse 3. And every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. You hear Christians get so interested in the Antichrist. I, I don't understand why people do that. They want to know every detail about the Antichrist. No Christian should be looking for the Antichrist. We should be busy working for the Lord and waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't plan to be here when the Antichrist shows up. 
You shouldn't plan to be here. You, sh you don't want to be here when he shows up. A few years ago, I heard a sermon on, on the Antichrist, and the preacher was saying that he was sure that the president of the United States is the Antichrist. You know, when you hear things like that, you turn it off and go take a nap. <laughs> you can't take them serious. You know, the Antichrist is going to be an evil genius because Satan will give him all his power. He will be the best politician that the world has ever seen. He'll be very religious. He will be able to connect and make an impression on people. He will be able to unite all the religions of the world and convince the whole world that he is the one that everybody's been waiting for. He will be a unique character in the history of this world. And he will accomplish what the United Nations has been unable to accomplish for many years. The poor politicians of today don't even have the wisdom to get out of the rain. That's how I know that none of them is qualified to be the Antichrist. But seriously, what is the spirit of Antichrist? I am convinced, based on the things that I've seen, that Satan has assigned a demon to every nation in the world, including the USA. When you look at the things that the rulers of the world do, and the different organizations that they use to accomplish all their evil deeds, you scratch your head and, and say, you know, how can that be? How is that possible? Talking about our government giving taxpayers money to a demonic organization known as the Planned Parenthood. You talk about evil. They get millions of dollars so they can kill over 300,000 unborn babies per year. That's in our own soil here. If the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of Satan is not working on these people, I don't know what is. And you hear this insanity going on every day, and you wonder how much longer do we have? How much longer would the Lord put up with us? Then you have the college professors. You know, our school system is in the hands of the government, and they receive millions of dollars from you and from me. Taxpayers' money. They are polluting the minds of our young people, telling them that we evolved from rocks over millions of years. And they are succeeding because many young people now believe this garbage. Any college professor or false teacher that manages to convince and contributes in the confusion of a young person and manages to get them away from God, to turn their back on God, they will receive a much greater condemnation. In the book of Genesis, in two chapters, God tells us that he created everything and he takes credit for everything that exists everything. How do you think God feels when those of higher learning refuse to give him credit when the evidence of an intelligent designer is right there in front of them and they say no, it's not possible. Truly you have to go to, you have to, go to college and learn how to become a fool to ignore the, the existence of God. Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. In Romans 1, 
verse 20 says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You just look at the human body. Right now we have Pam, poor Pam, suffering so much, you know. One organ in your body fails and the whole thing falls apart. But yet the college professor is telling you that we all evolve from rocks. No wonder Paul said that they, professing to be wise, became fools. That's Romans one twenty-two. Moving on here. 1 John 4, verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. For a Christian, it's impossible to be misled by a false teacher because the Spirit of God is in every person, and he will make sure that you're not overtaken by a false teacher or preacher. When the Holy Spirit convicts the heart of a sinner, it's always with the intention to worship and magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8, verse 9 says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, that be, that, if so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. The Spirit of God is the one who guides every child of God. And Satan is unable to overtake you, because greater is the Spirit of the Lord that is in you than he who is in the world. John sixteen thirteen says this, Habeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall, he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. If you consider this, think about this. There are millions of Christians all over the world speaking different languages, in different cultures, under different circumstances, and we all agree on one thing. That is, we want to magnify the name of Christ. We sing praises to the Lord every day, everywhere, and we all want to be in the presence of Christ one day. That ability is, is, is supernatural, and only the Holy Spirit has the capacity to plant in the heart of every sinner a new desire, a new way of thinking, a new ability to understand the things of Christ. That work is not natural. Verse 5, They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world hears them. I'm going to spend a little time on this one, more time than all the other verses. I want to talk a little bit about the, the doctrine of devils. Many people don't believe that, there is, that this is a reality. But if you want to convince yourself that there is a doctrine of devils, all you have to do is spend a little time on TBN, and they're there. A few days ago, I, I watched a video of that great theologian, Oprah Winfrey. And she said that she is a non-dividing Christian. She said that in her way of thinking, all faiths and practices are to be accepted and tolerated. And we don't have to be divided. She said that going to church should be an enjoyable experience. When you hear devils like that, 
you know Satan is talking. You know, it's just like a snake speaking there. She has made up in her head a God that doesn't exist. But the problem with Oprah Winfrey is that she preaches from the wrong Bible. She's now using the new international Mickey Mouse translation. But she's not the only one. There are hundreds of preachers out there that are not telling the truth to the people. And they are everywhere. Preaching by design is offensive to the average unsaved person out there. It's just the way it is. To unsaved people, to preach the word of God is foolish. The Bible tells you that. Here's a few things that we can look at that we can agree on. So we believe as Christians that one Jewish man about 2,000 years ago died on a cross. We agree on that. Right? And he came out of the tomb three days later. We all agree on that. And he went back to heaven where he came from. We agree on that. And one of these days he's coming back and he's going to call all believers, even the ones that are dead, back to heaven. Those of us who are alive when he shows up, when he calls everybody, we are going to literally disappear. We believe that. You tell that to an average unsaved person, they think you're nuts. You belong in a nut house. On top of that, Jesus said that while we are on earth, we have to love him more than anything. And we have never seen him face to face. Right? But yeah, we have children here. We line them up and they sing praises to Christ. You've never seen them there lined up singing, Mohammed saves, Mohammed saves, right? You never heard that. Hey, you won't hear it. We send missionaries all over the world to preach Jesus. And people give up their religion and willingly, they willingly reject everything and turn to Christ. And they trust in the promises that are contained in his Bible that one day he will deliver on what he promises. I think that's wild. Can you think of anyone more divided than Jesus Christ? It's just one little thing that makes the difference here. He's not just a Jewish man. He's the God-man, the Savior of mankind. And that's what makes the difference. The entire Bible is the biography of Jesus Christ, if you read it from cover to cover. So take your Bibles to Matthew 10, uh, verse 34 through 39. This is the few verses that really made me think when I got saved. Because you have to be willing to forsake everything. Matthew 10, verse 34 says, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. For I, am not, for I am come to send a man a variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. You can underline that it's all about me, he said. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake, sake shall find it. So you need to count the cost. While you are here on earth, you will suffer as a Christian. That's just the way it is. 
But when you look at the facilities where all these devils put on their shows, and the hundreds of thousands of people who attend all over the world, we're talking about millions of people who are deceived, and they don't know. The truth will cause division no matter what, because it makes a distinction between that which is good and that which is evil. And to be a Christian and say that all religions have to be embraced because we don't want to create division or we don't want to make anybody uncomfortable, it's not possible. The first people that will hate you because you, you turn to Christ is your own family. The devil knows that. The ones you love the most will the first ones to turn on you. Now take your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. This is, the, this is the doctrine of the devil. This is the doctrine of devils here. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. You know, a sweet lie is accepted by unbelievers. They love to hear lies. The world has enough violence, misery. People are suffering from depression, drug addiction, social media addiction, mental health problems, confusion about what they are or who they are. They don't know what they are anymore. So who wants to hear about a God who's always insisting that you walk away from your sinful lifestyle? That's just too negative. It is true, however, that going to church should be an enjoyable experience. You should love to come to church, but only after you have surrendered your life to Christ and not before then. If you come to church with a load of sins and a guilty conscience, and we make you feel good for a few minutes and let you walk out of this building without pointing you to Jesus Christ, we haven't done our job. Yes, you can come to church and, and come as you are, but we're going to try to bring you under conviction until you see yourself in the mirror of God's law. And only then you will understand that sin, your sin, will destroy you. When you understand that, then you will run to Christ and not before. Sin is ugly. Sin is deadly. Because of sin, we have millions of people, children, suffering. Because of sin, we have marriages that fall apart. Because of sin, we have people using drugs and alcohol. Because of sin, people are getting shot on the streets. Because of sin, we get sick and die. If we make you feel good without telling you that hell is wide open and ready to receive you, unless you turn to Jesus Christ, if we fail to tell you those things, we have failed to tell you the truth. False preachers, for sure, are true monsters because they're messing with the souls of people. And Satan is the architect of their doctrine. Second Timothy 4, verse 3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. You know, people are very sensitive nowadays. Everywhere you go, you have to be very careful the way you talk. It's better to just keep quiet, don't say anything, because 
you have to be always politically correct. This is why I like the Bible. The Bible doesn't care who gets offended. But you know, everywhere you go, you have to, it's like walking on eggshells. You don't want to crush somebody's self-esteem. Notice that this verse says that they will not endure sound doctrine. Many Baptist churches, if you notice, they're now a drop in the name Baptist. If you do a study on Bible, I mean on, on, on church history, you will discover that there was a time when the name Baptist stood for something. But now people have evolved and they no longer want to hear sound doctrine. They want to hear soothing, sweet little stories. They want the preacher to develop his sermons centered on sharing and caring, make me feel good, scratch my ear type of thing. They don't want the preacher to make anyone uncomfortable. And he has to be always politically correct. They want to know the latest 12-step program on how to get along with your rebel son or daughter. They want you to tell you how to get along, how to be a better husband or wife. They want you to tell you how to get along with your mother-in-law. And that's a trip. But that kind of junk is now considered preaching. The text goes on to say that they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Teachers, not preachers. And what's the difference between a teacher and a preacher, you will say? Matthew 9, verse 35 says that Jesus went about all, all the cities and villages teaching and preaching. So the Lord did both, teaching and preaching. Teaching is going over and over the same material until the student gets it and understands it. That's teaching. But preaching is getting in your face with a message taken out of the Bible with love and compassion in trying to bring you under conviction about the reality of your sins and your final destination. But many seminaries now, not all of them, but many of them are not producing teachers, they're producing academics. The new generation of preachers have no respect for the office they occupy. And the first thing that disappears from these churches, if you notice it, is the pulpit. Many of these preachers you see on TV, the new ones, they have no pulpit. Instead, they have a large stage, a large platform, where they wander back and forth, entertaining the people, telling jokes, and they'll give you just enough Bible to make you think that you went to church. The next thing that goes is the dress code. Preaching is the highest calling that a man can receive from God, from God. And it is true that dressing up to preach is not in the Bible. You don't have to wear a monkey suit like I am to, to, be, to preach. You don't have to do that. But the preacher needs to, needs to keep in mind that he is representing the king of glory. If you are in a setting where you can afford to dress up for the office you occupy, I don't see why you will want to stand in the pulpit wearing a t-shirt, jeans with holes and tennis shoes. Even the local courthouse would not allow a criminal to see the judge unless he's wearing the proper clothing. 
So why should the preacher disrespect the pulpit? And you wonder, how is it that false prophets are able to attract so many people? The world will always listen to their own. If you claim to be a Christian and everybody likes you, find out why. It's not supposed to be that way. The text tells you why they listen. They said they are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world hears them. Moving on, verse, verse 6, and we'll conclude with this. It says, we are of the world, we are of God. He that, that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. If there is one thing that Christians don't get enough is doctrine, Bible. You know, we don't get enough of that. Now you wonder, if there, is there a way to test the Christians? Well, if you find the Bible to be a dry book, nothing in it. I had a kid in my class a few weeks ago said that, I think it was Madison, she said that she found the book of Leviticus very dry, nothing in it. Where is Madison? There's just, I say to people who read not just Leviticus, but the whole Bible, wet it with a little bit of sweat from your brow, get to work, get busy. It is work. It takes a lot of work, a lot of time. If you still don't get it, invest a little money on tools to study the Bible. A lot of tools out there are free. You can get them to study the Bible. Many Christians are content and satisfied just knowing that Jesus loves them and this they know because the Bible tells them so, you know, in that little song, childish song. It's a profound statement, really, if you think about it. But it's a good idea to go deep in the things of God, in the Bible, and understand the mechanics of how these things work and why. I always wonder, you know, how is it that there are hundreds of thousands of people who pay a lot of money to go spend days at footballs, football games. They, they, they travel, they pay anything, and they behave like wild animals sometimes, you know, screaming and painting their faces and all that. They're excited, and they're having a great time. But we can't even get Christians to attend our, our Wednesday evening Bible study. How is that possible? I don't understand that. Those who love the Lord who love his word because you cannot separate the, the Lord from his word. And this is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. I don't believe we have any unsaved people here today, but if there are, talk to us. We would love to help you. We would love to tell you how you can be born again today. Eternity is a long time. You shouldn't go in without Christ. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.